And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to The Audible, presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined by Bruce Feldman in these very, very unusual times. Bruce, it's fortunate that our sponsor is actually one of the few places left in America that you can actually go into right now. Um, Trader Joe's, open, ready for business, ready for you to go stock up on groceries. Um, but other than that, how are you? So here in the Bay Area, we are in a uh, mandated stay-at-home order. I don't know that LA has done that quite yet, but I, I, from what you've told me, you're basically doing it anyway. Yeah, we're just trying to be be safe you know it's just basically my family and you know when you go out you know it's made it a little different is you know usually doesn't rain here we've had rain most of the week that we've been we've been uh basically hunkered down and so the times that the sun's come out you know my family's gone out and you see other families out and everybody's you know kind of kept their distance and it's it's uh you know we're just paying attention i don't think anybody knows where this is headed uh you know, obviously, there's you know, scientists have have made some some statements and predictions and projections, and we've certainly you know seen the track that Italy is on, and and where the U.S. has been. I don't know if it's two weeks behind, and that's daunting. Um, but at the same time, we're we're we cover college football, so it's like you know we're still working on that. So it's a it's a um, it's just a it's, a, it's a surreal time, I think. You know, we're all coping with it differently, I guess. We're all shut down and, and we just don't know. I mean, it's definitely bizarre to be working for a sports site right now when there's no sports. Now, I got to give a lot of credit to our colleagues uh, who cover college football. If you go on the app, you would not know that, that there isn't college football going on. People are still writing great stories. Uh, a lot of it is related to COVID-19 and how teams are dealing with it. Uh, but but not just that. Uh, you, me, and Andy uh, started back up our group text uh, on today, on Thursday. Uh, most exciting player we've ever covered. We're going to come back about once or twice a week for as long as this goes on, uh, talking about kind of evergreen topics like that. For me, the hardest thing has been, and you're in the same boat, right, where suddenly you have no child care. And, but you're still working uh, as much as you as much as you can. Uh, definitely, my productivity is has dipped. And also, like you guys, I mean, I live somewhere. I live in a city called Sunnyvale. It rains maybe 15, 20 days the whole year, and yet it. We, I began this self quarantine on Friday, and it has rained every day of it. So like, she's she's cooped up. She's uh, my daughter. She's uh, you know we're trying to keep her occupied and. Just going for a long walk has not been an option yet. I, it is sunny today. Um, but yeah, my wife and I are just like, okay. You know, she has a lot of meetings. Her job involves a lot more meetings than mine does. And so, okay, she's like, I got a meeting during this time, this time, and this time. So either you've got to take her or she's going to sit and, and watch her tablet. And uh, there's no, there's she's not in an age yet where she plays by herself very much. So um, it's 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 been stressful to say the least. Uh, and we just don't know how long this is going to go on. Yeah. For us, our kids are a little older. They're in kindergarten. So it's, it's thankfully our, our, their, their teachers do some stuff online, but it's also not like they're in sixth grade or, you know, in high school trying to get ready for college where missing a lot of school can be impactful. I'm not saying it's not significant but it's not you know all that stuff my approach has been hey let's just get through this and what you know as long as we get through this healthy um you know then we'll we'll make up for whatever we make up for whether it's missed birthday parties and things like that or missed baseball or football seasons um 
that, you know, we had to explain to our son that football got canceled. He had one game and the season was canceled or postponed and baseball. He had two games and it was canceled. But, um, you know, it's like, I think we're, we're thankful for our health. And one thing that I, I think will happen is we'll definitely have an appreciation for stuff when we get through this and get over the very least well, I, know, I know my my that skin on my hands won't be some dry from washing my hands you know it's just well it's definitely made me realize and i think it's made a lot of people realize how much we take for granted uh how much how good we have it how many things that you just uh i mean i'll be honest like grocery stores i'm not going into grocery stores we're just doing solely delivery I maybe that's being super over cautious but like you know, during normal times, you can literally go on the app and say, I want my groceries delivered two hours from now. Now it's like, you got to schedule it a week out and they're out of half the stuff. And like, just, I mean, it's, it's like almost like going back to, to caveman days. Like how do I procure food for my family? It's, it's the craziest thing I think either of us ever lived through. Also, you mentioned the numbers are starting to soar as they're expected to. I mean, frankly, it's gone from 4,000 to 8,000 or whatever cases in the U.S. And at the end of the day, like two weeks from now, that's going to seem infinitesimal. But where it's starting to hit home is when you start to know people who have been infected. And both of us know Kaylee Hartung, who was uh, used to be ESPN reporter, then CNN, and now she's ABC News. And she covered the, you know, the, the outbreak at that nursing home outside Seattle. You know, she was right there, kind of prime exposure area. And sure enough... Um, tested positive for it, went on TV and, and kind of described her experience, which I thought was brave of her and very important because there are still people out there who aren't taking this seriously enough. And for her to get out there and share her story, I thought was, uh, was so powerful, but like that hits home when it's somebody, you know, rather than, you know, a number, uh, uh, how many people in this state or that state have it. Yeah. And I think it's going to hit home, honestly, when people are, you know, it affects them even, you know, more than it did Kaylee, you know, and there where it's like, you know, some people end up in hospitals and, and with things with more, you know, it's a more severe cases or, or it hits them harder. So, you know, we just, uh, just be safe out there and, and however you can get through it, uh, just try to get through it. You know, I think it's pretty daunting for a lot of people and it'll be, I think if, if we're looking at a lot more time then you know, I think everybody's looking just day to day and, um, and just try to, whatever you can be to be as positive as you can to just kind of plow through it. You do it with knowing as much as you can about what your reality is. So, uh, here on the audible, we will go back talking football at some point, maybe next week. It just right now feels like this is all consuming and, and there truly is nothing going on in football to talk about, in college football at least. The NFL certainly has plenty to talk about. We wanted to bring on a guest, a friend of ours, George Schroeder. You know him. Uh, as You probably know him. He's a college football writer for a long time for USA Today. But he recently got out of the business um, to enter the ministry. And this affects him in a way that maybe doesn't a lot of people because of his son Christopher uh, and, and his health history. Um, he's also just been through a lot in the last few months. So, uh, wanted to bring him on and I hope that some of the things we talk about with him will bring comfort to a lot of people out there listening. All right. We are pleased to be joined by our good friend and frequent guest of the audible George Schroeder. And in fact, George, there are no official records of this, but it's possible you've been on as much or more than, than any guests we've ever had. Oh, I find that hard to believe, but um, it's, it's great to be back on. Uh, I'll tell you this, I've kind of thought <laughs> quite possibly I wouldn't be back on very much, and that's probably the case. But it's, 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 I love doing, doing the Audible with you guys, and I love listening to it, too, when I'm not on it. There's a plug. How do you like that? That's a great plug for the Audible. Spoken, spoken like a true radio vet like you are um so so george has always been really insightful especially especially in the context of how it relates to the business of football i thought you know one of the best podcasts we did i think and it's a it's a ripe topic was always on 
the second and third tier rights related to the Big 12 as related to everything else. Um, and that was, you know, kind of a deep in the weeds subject matter. But now, obviously, in the in the situation that we're all in, um, we thought George was an ideal person to bring on. But, but before we even get on to the coronavirus part of this, um, George... Uh, we're going to have you fill in some of the some of the gaps for people who might not remember. But um, with the tornado that ripped through Tennessee, I remember seeing you post something on social media. It feels like two months ago now, but it was probably two weeks ago about the apartment you had in Nashville uh, being really impacted. So maybe take a step back and fill in people for you know what's been going on with you for the last couple of months. Yeah, so I took a new job. Um, I guess the best way to say this is back in December, um, USA Today let me know that I was going to be among the layoffs uh, in December. And so that happened Uh, and already sort of in process, um, which is kind of cool, was was the idea that I've been exploring with some people at the Southern Baptist Convention. That's the church uh, that I grew up in, the church that I belong to now and um, to, to work with them in convention news. So, uh, you know, I get laid off in December and in January, I start working with them. It just worked out that way, uh, which is pretty cool. So I moved to Nashville, but our older son is a senior in high school. And so the way this worked was the family's not planning to follow until after he graduates in May. And I'm kind of commuting, going back many weekends to where we live in Norman, Oklahoma, and so they they gave they got me an apartment in a cool trendy area of Nashville. Germantown is the name of the the neighborhood or the district, just just north of the the state capital in downtown. And I was excited about it. It was like well, I, I can pretend to be hip for for a few months, right? And I was actually out of town in Dallas at some meetings when the tornado ripped through, I think it was March 2nd. It does seem like it was two months or two years ago now, believe it or not, but um, it ripped through Nashville and Central Tennessee or Middle Tennessee. And I think 24 is the death toll now. My apartment complex got hit and my apartment got hit uh, and the building was condemned. And the, the best thing about this is there were no serious injuries, despite the fact that the that the apartment complex got hit really hard. Um, but so I'm out of town and I didn't know for several days, you know, what was left of my apartment, what was left of the things that I had in it. And it's just stuff, right? I mean, people lost their lives or their loved ones in this or their homes or whatever. And if I lose an apartment and some clothes, then no big deal. Uh, but to make a long story short, I got in there and half of the apartment was pretty messed up. And the other half, including the bedroom, looked like it had never been touched. And that included the closet and all my clothes. And so the weird thing is once I was able to get into the apartment, I didn't actually lose anything of value um, other than now I've got to find another apartment and you know, I'm back to sort of hotel life. Uh, although that, that, you know, that sort of takes us into what's, what's occurred since then. And the reason why nobody's thinking about the Nashville tornado anymore, because it feels like it was two months ago. So I take it you're not you're back in Oklahoma now. You're not going back to Nashville anytime soon. I went back to I was in Nashville and came back Monday uh, to to Norman. And I don't know when I'll be. You know, none of us knows you know the next step on any of this. But um, we are social distancing in Norman basically, and not going out except when absolutely necessary. Which is you know kind of what I think a lot of us the experience a lot of us are having right now. You t- so you t- texted me about this, but so I think Bruce and I both the last time we were on an airplane was coming back from our athletic meetings in Indianapolis at the end of February, and even before you know even before now, like shortly after that is when I realized I'm not going to be traveling again anytime soon. But you obviously needed to fly back home. What was it like to to be in an airport and on an airplane as recently as Monday? Yeah, so it was Monday evening, and uh, the Nashville airport was uh, more – I've obviously become a veteran of the Nashville airport and already a veteran of the Oklahoma City airport. The Nashville airport was as empty as I've seen it. Uh, The the flight that I was on was probably a third full, which is good because you could practice social distancing by having your own space. And look, of of sort of the concern that you have for sort of catching this virus, I'm not sure there's a place that – 
where you feel like there's a greater chance of that aside from healthcare facilities maybe than being on an airplane right where we already know viruses just sort of circulate and coughs happen and things like that it, it was um it had a little bit of a, it wasn't quite like this but it, the airport and the flight had a little bit of last flight out of saigon feeling to it and i don't want to overdo things it just felt that way and maybe some of that is just my emotional state at the time right but it was um it was it was it was surreal. People in the airport wearing masks. Um, don't blame them. If I'd have had a mask, I'd have probably been doing the same thing. And I and I know the guidance that we've gotten that basically that really helps a whole lot more if you, you uh, have the disease to help you keep from spreading it. But I can't help but think to myself, if I'm wearing a mask, it's, it's a lot less likely I'm going to inhale the cough if it happens or the droplets from the cough from somebody else. And also, I'm a lot less likely to do the sort of the inadvertent things we do where we touch our mouth or our nose. Uh, and, you know, the, the things we're all sort of a little more cognizant of now. But people were wearing masks and it was just a it was an odd, odd feeling the whole time. And so I'm thankful to be home. Uh, you know, I thought about whether or not I should make the 10, 11, 12 hour drive to get home. Uh, but I needed to get home as soon as I could. Let me ask you, George, because we we have known you are very spiritual and 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 a man of deep faith, as your family is. And um, I'd like to get into that in a minute. But just when you have a drive like that for ten or eleven hours, and obviously you can probably listen to the radio and listen to whatever maybe you can get on, you know, if you have CDs or anything like books on tape. But like, what are some of the thoughts that are going through your mind? Because you've been through a lot um, personally with your son's you know with your son's battles especially christopher so what goes through your mind and as we're all kind of facing this yeah so bruce you know for those who don't know christopher is immunosuppressed because he's a heart transplant kidney transplant recipient and uh, that happened those happened when he was an infant and then when he was a toddler uh, or a toddler aged is when he got those transplants and, and he's really flourished since then and he's 10. Now and so we're happy to have him. He's healthy. Um, he we, he's been through a lot. We've been through a lot, but we're thankful for um, answers to prayer um, regarding him. And so when, but yet when this happened, um, you kind of asked a, a big question there. Really, when when sort of the coronavirus, we we all realized it was a pandemic and that it was coming to you know a, a neighborhood near you. I immediately thought to myself, you know, we talk about how. For 80% of the people, hopefully it's not going to be a big deal. And that for, you know, some small subset, it's going to be a very, very big deal. Uh, elderly, people with underlying medical conditions. And among those underlying medical conditions would be immunosuppressed children. That immediately strikes fear in my heart. Um, I, I like to call it concern when I'm, you know, but it's often fear. And because I, you know, I'm like, you know, I could get this virus. And maybe I would be fine. And maybe I'd even be asymptomatic like many people apparently are. And you don't even know you have it. But if, but if Christopher gets it, then, you know, who knows? So we should be worried and concerned for our elderly parents and grandparents and for people with underlying medical conditions. And I'm concerned about my 10-year-old who's immunosuppressed. And so all those thoughts have been going through my head for several days now. And certainly they were going through my head even on that flight. Uh, and, and I have to tell you, I, we are going to take every single precaution and I am going to overreact in terms of if that's a thing in terms of trying to take every single precaution when it comes to trying to protect my family and Christopher. Uh, and I'd rather do that and be seen as stupid at some point and like, oh, wow, it wasn't that big a deal, which I think we all have kind of gotten past now than to underreact. So I'm going to take every precaution, but I'm comforted by my faith in Christ and, and, and by the fact that we've seen uh, God work in our lives and in Christopher's life specifically through this. And also by this, I know ultimately God is good and whatever happens, God is good. And I believe that. And it sounds trite sometimes to say that now when Christopher is 10 and he's come through all these things and we got the answers to the prayers that we wanted, understanding other people don't get those same answers, but we were, telling ourselves that Shannon and me, my wife and I, um, when we thought Christopher might not make it through the night on many times when he was, 
you know, post heart transplant and his kidneys had failed and things like that. And, and we believe that. Um, and sometimes you have to declare it to yourself, but he is good. Uh, and, and ultimately that's what I have to lean on. I have to say, um, like in the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 56, three, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And I have to say, Lord, I put my trust in you. And I put my trust in you on this specific case, uh, in this specific situation. And I trust him and I trust that the outcome will be, will be good. And, and I pray that we are preserved and, uh, from the coronavirus. And I pray that it doesn't strike our family. And I pray that for all of us, for you guys, for your families. I pray that, that our scientists find a way to stop it. But I just say, Lord, I put my trust in you and, and, and I will trust you and I will not fear. And, um, and I just ask him to help take away the fear. So I know that's a long answer to your short question, but that's kind of where I am. So let me, I have a question. I, I know Stu may have one too, but George, this is something that, you know, some of us and Stu and I have talked about, you know, on our own texts and stuff as we try to process this. I hate the expression, the new normal, but that's kind of where we're in for a little bit. And hopefully it's only a little bit and not a super extended length of time. But one of the things that we've talked about and I've kind of realized, and we're all wired differently. We all think differently. Our minds work differently. But for me personally, I realized I cannot pay much attention to the news. I got to be careful of how much I consume on Twitter of the threads about from some scientists who are saying, well, this is going to be way worse than, than most people are even, you know, being told. And I think one thing that, you know, I, I've kind of taken away from what you just said is when you say comfort in your faith, I do think that I, how important that is because one of the things I think we've heard from, from medical people all along is if you're really stressed out, if you're not sleeping well, if your heart is beating faster, whatever those things are, you're probably more vulnerable to getting sick. Um, whatever it is. And certainly in this case, it's, it's, it's even more concerning. So, um, I think, you know, the message you've, you're conveying is, is one that, um, you know, I think a lot of people can embrace and, you know, like just the expression you said to find comfort in, um, is a really important one at this, especially at this time. And, um, you know, I thought about a lot about you. I thought about knowing Christopher and, and knowing, uh, I think anybody who knows you knows Christopher's story. And I think our minds went there. I think our minds go to people who, who are not the 24 year old or, you know, when we see NBA stars or NBA players testing positive, and it's not to say that nothing could happen to them, but we're talking about the most best conditioned athletes on the planet or among them. And so if people are going to be less impacted, you would think it would be these guys who are in such ridiculous shape, but you know, usually most of them are under 30, um, as opposed to the people that, you know, who are on our lives, whether it's a grandparent, a parent or somebody else who has preexisting conditions, you know, you really worry for them. And so I, I get where the, you know, I, I don't, I don't think you can be overcautious at this point if it's that way, you know, if it's, if there's some, peace of mind in it. Um, what, what did like, you know, how much have, have you guys shared with your children? They're obviously Christopher's the youngest, but your other kids are older and they're, um, they're going to be around more people. How much have, have, have you guys talked about who they're around, what they can bring and everything like that? Yeah. Well, that goes to me being severely overprotective and, uh, in this, and, and maybe, overreacting. And I don't think I am, but, it, but if I am, that's okay. So I, I mentioned my older son, he's a senior in high school. My daughter is a sophomore uh, at the university of Oklahoma. And so she's been living in an on-campus apartment, not the dorms, but an on-campus apartment. And so we have an interesting question as to how much she can be around us. And, and I don't, you know, first of all, let me go back. Let me step back. My son, George basically hasn't left the house, the older son. Um, now he's not out with his friends, even though this is spring break for us, he's not visiting with them because you can't, you don't really know. It's so easy for the contact to sort of occur. It appears this is so highly contagious. So he's been in the house and that's been really hard on him, but he's done really well. There hasn't been like a whole lot of conflict there. Uh, you know, I don't know how that goes as this, 
new normal, as we are all calling it, continues. But I think we just all have to understand that. And I think that he and my daughter both understand the gravity of the situation for us specifically because of Christopher. Uh, you know, it's a little different if if uh, it was just the four of us and we're all healthy, don't have underlying medical conditions. And and so you, you be, you're very careful, but you say, well, we, we might be OK if one of us gets gets it and the rest of us get it. Um, it's a little bit different. And so I think they understand the gravity. My daughter, um, my daughter did come over yesterday. We kept, she, she maintained a serious social distance, you know, the whole six feet thing. We were very careful about stuff she's touched. It seems so weird to do that, but we all understand we have to do that. Um, and so I think they understand it. Uh, and, and I appreciate that. And, and, um, so far so good. Now, what's that going to be like? three weeks from now, four weeks from now, six weeks from now. I don't know. Um, but you know, none of us knows. I, I, I pray we all sort of have sort of embraced this and understand and understand why it's, you know, even more why it's necessary at that point as the numbers keep going up. Right. And, and as, and as we start seeing more, more people die, then I think we'll start to figure that out even more. It's, it's been, uh, I mean, it, it, it seems like it's been months already, but really, I mean, we're recording this on Thursday. It was, believe it or not, only a week ago today that they canceled the NCAA tournament. And we went, we've watched the country go through this, you know, maybe eight over the last eight to 10 days, this period of, uh, okay, I know there's Corona, I know there's this, this new virus and people are saying to wash your hands, but why can't we go to a basketball game? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? to, okay, learning more and more about the importance of flattening the curve and social distancing. But even now, I mean, there was footage circulating on Twitter yesterday of kids on spring break in Miami and being very defiant. And, you know, as recently as over the weekend, like video of people partying in, in Nashville, your, you know, your new hometown. I get angry by it, but I mean, yeah. how, what is it for you knowing how perilous Christopher's situation is What's your reaction when you see people still not taking this seriously enough? Well, I mean, I, I, I do think that there's some sort of strange thing where a lot of people still haven't figured out it's a big deal. Uh, there's that. And then I also think there's that, that along with that, there's sort of a, a strange thing where you haven't you don't understand how contagious it is that if you get it and you're 21, it's probably not a big deal. Although we are hearing more and more reports of 20 year olds in ICUs and things like that. And we're going to continue to, to, to hear those things, even though it's some small percentage. I mean, an in, infinitesimally small percentage, apparently, of, of young people. There are going to be those who go to, you know, end up in ICUs and some of them die. Um, but you think you're you think you're bulletproof. What you're not thinking about is how highly contagious you will be and how you will spread it when you go back home to your parents, to your grandparents to your friends who have parents and grandparents, to those people with those underlying medical conditions or the people you know who are immunosuppressed or all the above. And I just think people aren't thinking. Uh, I, I'm, There's like I'm a hoping, streak of defiance too, I think. There, like, there definitely is that yeah. too. It's like, like don't I'll you can't, the government virus. can't tell me what to do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it makes me Sometimes it makes me angry. Sometimes it makes me more concerned. Sometimes it makes me sad. It's sort of all of the above. We also, it, there is a defiance streak that we have. And there's also this individualism that sort of pervades our entire culture. And it, it, to me, it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. That's, that's sort of, we all sort of feel that in a lot of ways, uh, just as it relates to my own life. And I think that's part of this too, um, that, you know, I'm gonna. I'm the master of of my own fate, right? Well, th that's true, and you sort of have the ability to take the risk if you want to take the risk. But but would you think about all the other people that you are risking their lives to? And and so far, I think a lot of us are, are getting that, and there's still a sizable portion of people that we're seeing that haven't gotten that or don't care. And I'm praying that that changes quickly.
back to the podcast in a minute. First, a word from our newest sponsor, The Black Tux. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or a tuxedo for their big day. Did you know The Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? Stu, could you imagine somebody with bad fitting clothes? I don't think so. Anyhow, just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. The place is pretty terrible unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick up a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it out one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your tux or suit at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with code CFB10. That's theblacktux.com, code CFB10 for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment, and now back to the podcast. You know, we mentioned your own decision and and what you're doing now um, at the beginning of this. So what has been like the the transition for you? Take apart, obviously, take aside all the craziness that has been now swirling around for the last few weeks. But just in terms of it is a different direction. And we know it's something, as I said before, that has always been very personal to you and a big and a huge part of your life and your family's life. But what has been the transition from going to be, quote unquote, a sports writer to, to what you're doing now and, and what that mission is? Yeah, I guess I should sort of go, you know, as long as we're going to go back there. So my current role, the title is Associate Vice President for Convention News for the Southern Baptist Convention's Executive Committee. What that essentially means is I have oversight of something called Baptist Press, which is kind of our own version of the AP, the Associated Press. Um, And we distribute information both ourselves, but also sort of to um, various newspapers, news outlets, newspapers. that that are run by the different sort of state conventions in the that are related to the Southern Baptist Convention. So to say all of that, suddenly I've kind of moved not only away from sports writing, but away from writing in a lot of ways. I'm sort of there's more encompassing to the title and the role than than this, but there's a lot of this that's being the managing editor of of Baptist Press. So so then to answer your question, to this point as much as I have loved covering college sports, I haven't missed it yet. And I think part of that is because college football had, had ended. I kind of wonder if that would change when, uh, you know, not, not so much spring practice, but maybe media days. And certainly that first day on uh, that first day when kickoff comes around again in late August, early September, whenever it is this year, um, I've, I've wondered that. But to this point, it was a brand new challenge. And it, and it has, and every day is a challenge as I have to learn a lot of new things that I didn't know. Uh, and it's, it's actually been tremendously uh, rewarding for me too. And, and I guess I should also say this, it, it is an answer to a prayer, not just because I lost my job, right? That's true. And sort of the way God has provided for me is really, really neat to see. Um, and, and I don't, I didn't think, oh, wow, I'm guaranteed to get a good job because I want to follow follow Jesus. I didn't think that. It was just like, Lord, you'll have something for me. Help me help me find it and may not be may not be what what I would like design for myself, but it'll be it'll be fine. And then this is better than I would have designed for myself. But it's an answer to a prayer that I'd been praying for a couple of years, Bruce, um, which is this. I really did love what I did. I loved covering college football. I loved almost everything about it. 
but I had kind of felt my desires beginning to change over the last few years. And I don't think it was just sort of being discontent. I know that's always kind of can, can happen with us. I don't think it was that, or at least not mostly that. I think it was just, I think God was changing my desires in my heart. And, and, and I would like to be in ministry. And so I would say, Lord, do you have something else for me? And could it be in ministry? Because I want to share Christ with people. And I understand we're heading off into a different direction in the audible at this point. So I, and so I prayed that for, for a couple of years, not knowing if that would actually happen. And so within the life of my own church back in here in Norman, I had been trying to find ways to serve and we've been doing missions in Guatemala and, and things like that. But I said, Lord, is there a chance that at some point you might have a different career path for me that would be ministry? And so then that's the context for USA Today or Gannett deciding to uh, cut me loose in a layoff. And, and listen, I really don't harbor any ill will towards those guys, as, as hard as that is to believe. Um, that's no fun. I don't like it. It was a weird time. Uh, but I don't, you know, I understand. And that's the context for that happening and, and me having already sort of been at least started down the road of this potential job opening even before that happened. That's the context for it. So when I got to Baptist Press, when I got to the to the uh, Southern Baptist Convention, it it is it fits my skill set in terms of being a journalist, and yet it's also a ministry, and there's no question about that. And I don't know that that's the final step in where maybe God will have me at some point, but I know that this is where I'm supposed to be right now, and and I'm just um, I'm so thankful to be there. So I don't know if that actually answered your question. And I know it's a lot longer maybe than you were asking for, but that's, that is my heart. And that's what I think's happened with me. Well, I think some, 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 in some contexts, as you were talking, you know, it's like, we've seen people inside the football world, whether it's Bill McCartney or, or, you know, several other coaches who, I don't want to say they've pivoted to faith because that makes it sound like that wasn't part of who they were when they were, you know, had the whistle around their neck, but you know, we've seen examples of that. I, I, you know, we'd always thought Mark Richt or some of us had thought Mark Richt was going to go from, you know, coaching at Georgia to end up more in the ministry. And I'm sure, you, you know, there's probably a connection that, you know, you've seen with other people who've felt like, you know what, it's time for me to make this move. And maybe there's, um, you know, I would imagine one of the challenges that you deal with is once you wrap your head around the exit, and whether that the exit was from the USA Today or we've all had exits from places because of the business side of it, you know, once you, you know, our friend Ted Miller was talking about like, you know, he went to something else and it was just like how the end happened was hard to wrap your mind around. And I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to who may never have sat in a press box and, and, and typed out a story on deadline. Well, your identity, Bruce, becomes whether you want it to be or not, and I don't want it to be, I want my identity to be as, as one who follows Christ. But, it's, but inevitably, my identity was clearly wrapped up to a much greater degree than I wanted it to be in George Schroeder, who covers college football for USA Today, or whatever the outlet is, right? And because, you know, there's sort of a, a there's a, you get a pop of ego um, with the very small, minor amount of celebrity. But even if you didn't get that, even if you didn't get that pop, I really loved what I did. And I loved the traveling to games and covering teams and getting to go interview coaches and all the things you guys are doing that are so much, they're fun and it becomes a part of your identity. So when that got ripped away, even though I thought I was ready to do something else, I have to tell you, it hurt. It did hurt. So I'm not trying to minimize that. And I realized, and that's when I realized just how deeply sort of that identity had sort of sunken into my heart. Does that make sense? I mean, that, that's regardless of whether I wanted that to be who I was, it clearly had become that to, to at least a certain degree. Um, so it, it wasn't easy. And one of the things I've wondered is, okay, so I told you that this job that I'm now in now was already in process. And it was. I had interviewed for it in, in November, uh, not knowing. And I had interviewed for some other things that were ministry roles too, which uh, but but I'd interviewed for it in November, not knowing, knowing that things weren't good at Gannett, knowing that there was the layoffs were looming, but not necessarily thinking it would be me. And so I have wondered to myself, all right, let's just say I didn't get laid off. And let's say I had this had kept going and they'd offer me the job. 
how hard would it have been for me to take that job, to, to, to make that transition? And I think the answer is it would have been really, really difficult. I think I would have done this. I hope I would have done this because this is the right place for me to be, but I don't really know. And so that's one of the weird, real weird things as it relates just to me specifically is this happened the way it needed to happen for me because there was not the option to stay with USA Today. Um, and yet at the same time, this was so clearly what I believe God had for me. First of all, funny little story related to this. So George did come to the national championship game uh, <laughs> as, as part of the FWAA. You, you were the and that president was of weird. FWAA. Yeah, you were, you were, well, you had been laid off, but we didn't yet know what you're going to be doing next. And you were there. And we, a, a group of us went to dinner, I think the night before the game. And you were running late. You said, you texted me, you said, like, I, I just, I have a, I'm on a call right now and I, I can't not be on it. And then, you know, 10 minutes late became 20, became 40. And I'm like, <laughs> I think I know what's going on here. I think he has a job interview. And uh, you told me later that was that was the night they offered you the job. So um, got a little window into that. Uh, to what you're um, speaking to, you know, look, when I went through what I did in, in 2017, where I Fox pivoted to video and I knew I was going to have to find something else. I mean, I personally went through a period of seriously considering like is it time to leave the business what would i want to do right. instead and and i what 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 something you said really hit home which is like this is my identity you know rightly or wrongly i've been known as you know national college football writer for almost 20 years and 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 i just i just decided i wasn't ready to give that up yet and of course that resulted in me kind of doubling down tripling down whatever you want to say uh with what i do with the athletic but uh you know everybody thinks we have the greatest job in the world. You get paid to talk about college football, watch college football, but there are hassles. There are parts of it you don't love. And I, and my, so my own last question for you is how liberating has it been to not have to be on Twitter all day monitoring college football news? Well, I'm, I'm now on Twitter all day monitoring other news. <laughs> we have our own sets of, of things that happen uh, in the Southern Baptist convention, but it has been liberty, and this is one of the things that that, that happened. Oh, I guess I, I got the call December 5th that, that they were going to lay me off, and I had two more weeks on staff, but I, they didn't ask me to do anything, which was kind kind of USA Today. So from that moment on, it was like there's a little buzzer in the back of our heads, and I think you guys both feel this too, where when you have felt like you need to break news, confirm news, chase news, uh, anything that happens, you have to sift through, okay, does that rise to the level of, of where my outlet needs to cover it, i.e. I need to cover it? That all like washed away at that moment because it like it suddenly didn't matter. And I have to tell you, even though I had the sudden stress of I got to find a new job. Yeah. And yes, this other the current role was sitting out there and it could have happened. Right. There's a little more to that, by the way, uh, in that. After I got the notice that I got laid off, I, e I emailed back the people I'd interviewed with here at the Southern Baptist Convention and said, hey, just so you know, this has happened to me. I was just going to check and see where the process is. And I was told at the moment, hey, we're down the road with somebody else. And I was like, OK, then. So I had this stress. At the, and then they came back to me about, uh, I don't know, a week later and said, hey, we're back to square one. And we'd really like to continue talking with you if you still want to do that. And I was like. Okay, I think I'd do that. But even though I had the stress of at, at the moment of um, to go back to what you're talking about of what you know what kind of a I've got to find a job, I've got to feed my family, those kinds of things. I mean, those are very real. The stress of not having to compete to break news or to have a quick take that is not a, a crazy hot take because you know we all want to do things the right way. All that just washed away. And I have to tell you, in a weird way, a significant piece of stress just sort of went away for that time period. And I actually I actually am glad of that. And in and, and answer to your question, I don't miss that at all. Now, we've got our own set of issues, as I mentioned, and because every job has them and, and you, you want to do those. You want to do things really well. So it's not like there's not some stress involved, but it's completely different than that part of it. And you guys obviously right now is a whole weird time. But assuming we come back out the other side of this, uh, what we're doing now for the pandemic, you guys will still have that going on. Um, I don't miss that part at all. Uh, George, one of the things I had talked to you a little bit about, I remember I thought just 
an, a possible opportunity for you uh, would be to help folks write books who maybe athletes, coaches, people who aren't, you know, haven't spent as much time writing as you did. And you have that perspective already. Um, a, is that something you think you may end up doing down the road and B, where do you think, you know, you have as good a perspective as on our world in the press box as, as anybody you did it for 20 plus years at the columnist level at, you know, at all different kind of places from national to local and different roles in it. Where do you think our, our, our business is headed? Well, I mean, uh, first, let me just say this. I, I, if I'm, if somebody's interested in, in me co-writing a book with them, you know, I would certainly be interested in exploring it. So that, so let's make that pitch, right? Uh, I don't know if that's going to be an outlet. Um, I, I do think sort of there are more, there are actually some different opportunities that could become available to me potentially. Uh, and as long as they don't conflict with the job I have, that'd be cool. So, but currently nothing like that going on. I, I mean, this, this, this role is, is pretty consuming and I'm excited about that. But in answer to your other, other question, I, I don't know what, what anything looks like coming out the other side. I wonder that as, or I worry that or concerned that as this goes on for a long time, it really impacts everything in our, I mean, our economy could be about to, you know, just go into the tank like we haven't seen in forever. We keep talking about the recession from the last decade, and that might feel mild and like happy times if this really continues. And so I'm concerned about that. I hope that's not the case. But if that is the case, what does that mean for news outlets and news organizations, especially those like like, uh, you know, newspapers or, you know, sort of more traditional that are already struggling greatly? I have I have real great deep concerns that it's going to look really bad. And that and, and as it relates to press boxes, they could be a whole lot more empty we already know that they're sort of emptier in terms of what they used to be. They could be a whole, whole lot more empty when we come back out and not because we're practicing social distancing. I hope that's not the case, but I'm really concerned about that. All right, George, before you go, I do think one of the things that, you know, we've talked probably more about faith on, on this episode than we normally do and probably maybe the more than we ever have, but obviously we're in, in very uncertain times and people are really stressed out and a lot of people are wondering and, you know, where this is going. And one thing that I, you know, one of the things I especially appreciated was just, you know, if people can take some comfort and, and find some compassion and, and, and are looking for another way to handle this and cope with stuff that your families are going on. Um, obviously they can follow you at George Schroeder, S C H R O E D E R. Um, but also, what else would would you be open to in terms of you know connecting and maybe trying to help people? Well, let me just start out by saying this, and I appreciate you asking me. I, I do not want to pretend like I am wise, okay? Uh, I'm not, but I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I've mentioned that like you know several times here. And I believe He's the answer, and I believe that before we have a global pandemic, and I believe that after, but certainly in the midst of it, I think people are thinking about things. So, and I don't want to offend anyone here, but in answer to your question, if anybody is interested in talking with me about that, I would love to share um, why I believe that with you. And so if anybody's interested, you can, you can, uh, you know, you can send something to me on Twitter at George Schroeder, or I'd be happy to give the, I don't, I don't have any problem with anybody having my email address either. it, It may be on my Twitter handle. If it's not, I'll go put it on there, but it's, it's just G Schroeder, G S C H R O E D E R at SBC.net, Southern Baptist Convention, SBC.net. I'd be more than happy to talk with anybody. And uh, yet I certainly don't expect anybody to, but, but feel free. Uh, I would love to talk with you guys about that. And, and man, I can't tell you how much I appreciate just hanging out and talking with, talking with you guys, period, on this podcast. Um, it's encouraging, I think, for all of us to have connection right now as we're all practicing social distancing. That's exactly right. I find myself reaching out to people that I haven't talked to in a while and wanting to check in on people that I haven't checked in on a while. I think, um, you know, a friend that I talk to all the time, actually, I called him yesterday and he didn't answer. And then he came back with FaceTime. He wanted to have some actual 
face-to-face -face contact. So um, I think everybody feels the same way. Well, George, thanks so much for coming on today. Um, and uh, give, give my best uh, to your family there as you um, go through what we're all going through right now. Hey, thank you. And listen, I, I want you guys to know I've been praying for y'all because any of my friends uh, and, and, and others too, but man, this is such a traumatic, scary time for all of us. And I understand that. And, and, and I feel the same way. So I, I'll definitely give them, give them your best. And thank you guys for having me. All right. Thanks so much to George for coming on. Um, we've run long, so we're going to hold off. We had some mailbag questions picked out, but we're going to hold off and do those next week. In fact, I think they're, they're starting to be a backlog, so we will go mailbag heavy next week. Uh, there are still plenty of things you guys are interested in, college football-wise, for us to talk about. Send your emails to theaudiblepod at gmail.com. We will definitely get to them next week. We'll see you next time. If you enjoy the Audible, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and a rating if you could, too. It helps us get the word out. Our producer is John Hayes. Our theme song is Dangerous by Kevin and the Octaves. You can download their music on Spotify or Apple Music. Follow me on Twitter at SLMandel. Follow Bruce at Bruce Feldman CFB. And if you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, what are you waiting for? You can get 40% off an annual subscription by using this link, theathletic.com slash theaudible. That's 40% off your subscription to The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.